I'm Hannah. I'm Sheena. I'm Lori. And I'm Stacy. And this is Cemetery, Cemetery Row. Row. <laughs> yes. Little different this week, guys. Coming Heck in yeah. different. Welcome, Stacy, to the podcast. Um, it is such an honor to have you here. I've been a big fan of your work for forever. Um, you know this because when I met you last fall, I did my excited shaky hands like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm finally meeting the person whose decks I have loved for forever. So anyway, enough of me babbling. Stacy, tell us about yourself. Hi. Well, I am Stacy Williams Hung, and um, I am born and raised Memphis, and I just moved back to Memphis after many years away from the South. I moved back during the pandemic. I'm an artist and writer, kind of, I mean, like I like to say, I'm a multidisciplinary artist, yeah. but basically <laughs> that just means I make a lot of different things. Um, and I uh, kind of found my home in making uh, like tarot and oracle cards, if you guys know what those are, and we'll talk about that. But well, I used to be a design professor, not professor. I was a design instructor. I wasn't tenured. You have to be tenured just to use the P word. But anyway, <laughs> I used to teach design at the college level, and my whole shtick was visual symbolism. And so I really like pictures with words. And so that's how I fell into making these cards, because they're like pictures from words. Yeah. And I was going to say, that's how I found you was through your, is it, was Southern Gothic your first deck? Yes. Okay. That's how I found you. I found you, I guess when that came out, I think you placed an ad on Instagram or something. And another good friend of the podcast, Chrissy, um, texted me and she was like, have you seen these cards? And I was like, yes. And <laughs> we geeked out over them and we both, um, backed that Kickstarter. We loved that deck. And then you created Southern Botanic Oracle deck, which is absolutely stunning. I bought the expansion packs for both. Um, but yeah. And now you're doing a deck all about cemeteries. I am. I only did it to get y'all's attention. <laughs> it, it worked. Yeah, yeah it I'm did. just pandering. I'm just pandering. <laughs> so, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about Oracle decks versus yeah. tarot? I think everyone. Yeah, I was about, to, about tarot. Oh, was you took on? Lori's job. I know you took my question, Sheena. You know what that is. So, what is an <laughs> Oracle deck, Stacy? Well, I'll tell you, Lori. <laughs> Um, so a lot of people have heard of tarot cards, which are fortune telling cards, and they have um, the same, you know, the same cards in every deck. I mean, there are some exceptions, but generally they're the same cards in every deck because people need to recognize those cards when they're doing fortune telling or reading of tarot cards. So there's the moon, the devil, death, the emperor, you know, and we've seen them in pop culture, even if you're not you know, familiar with tarot cards, you might've seen them in a movie or something. Um, Oracle cards are kind of the same thing. And it's just a blanket term for any kind of fortune telling cards. And so what was cool about it for me was I could make a whole deck of cards of anything I wanted. Like I could have a raccoon card, which I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and speaking of cemeteries, I have a crystal grotto card, which mm -hmm. is from uh, Memphis's Memorial Park Gardens. So like I just have a card for everything I felt like having a card for. And it was more fun for me as an artist to kind of start, you know, from scratch. But either way, they are fortune telling cards and people do use them like to read their fortune or to get inspiration or affirmations or whatever. It's a spiritual product. Awesome. And it, it seems so 
natural. Like I, I would have never guessed that Southern Gothic was your first deck in a million years. It just seems, I don't know, like you've been making them since, I don't know, 300 years ago because you're immortal. I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. I am. Um, you're going to be so, like, yeah. who's your favorite dead person? I'll be like, me. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm no, but I it. mean, I have been like reading about Southern history all that time. So that was all, all, everything you read in that booklet is based on real research or, or family history and stuff. So I'm, I'm glad that that came through for you. A lot of people don't even read the booklet. <laughs> that was my favorite part almost. And I, I, I'm not saying that to knock like your artwork because the artwork's beautiful, but the book spoke so much to me. Uh-huh. Like you could tell it was written. There are so many little phrases that I'm like, okay, I'm seeing sort of, <laughs> You put love into it. You really did. Yeah. And there's well, so thanks, much y'all. thought into it. Yeah. It's really cool in that um, because I do mostly work with tarot and obviously you can't compare tarot and Oracle because they are, as you say, completely different sets of cards, but I could see some shades of tarot cards in some of the Oracle cards. And I was like, that's a new way to think about the Empress or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's talk about your new deck. Um Roses, Dust, and Ashes. I love that name. Um, How did you come up with the concept for that? All that good stuff. Well, um, so I also love Elmwood Cemetery. That's where I met Sheena. And um, I I like to go there a lot. In fact, I would really like to be buried there, although I haven't pulled the trigger yet. Um, And the marvelous thing about Elmwood is just all the stories there you know, you go to this classic Victorian Park Cemetery here in Memphis, and they have, um, you know, tours with people like Sheena dressed up in like a full petticoat and <laughs> veil and the whole deal um, at the Lee Triangle telling her whole life story. Yep. It, it's just amazing. And so how not to love this place? I feel like it's one of Memphis's hidden gems. And um, plus just being a history buff, I'm just all about it. And uh, so I got interested because I was a design teacher teaching um, symbolism. That's been a big part of like, you know, um, visual communication and all that, like how to use symbols in, in, in your design work. That was like my old muggle job. But, you know, now <laughs> I still am, you know, making tarot cards. Like, are you kidding? Of course, I have to know like all the symbols. I'd be like, oh, he's looking to the right. That means it's about your future, babe. You know, like right. I need to know yep. every little, if there are, three birds in the tree that means something different than six birds in the tree like (laughs) all that stuff like matters and so when you do some you take that to like a visit to the cemetery I'm just not like other people I'm looking at every single thing on the cemetery stone especially in one of the Victorian cemeteries and being like what's the ivy Mm -hmm. what's the dove dove's got to be peace but why on a grave like all that stuff so especially Victorian era because they did so much with symbols like there's a whole hidden language yes that is actually one of my favorite things I've seen on all of your I don't know marketing I guess for this deck is you called it the language of cemeteries and I was like I never thought about cemeteries having a language but that's exactly what it is yeah I mean it carried over into other aspects of life like you know there's there's a whole book even when uh you know Sheena you and I were both at Kim's presentation um on this and Kim Barnett is the executive Barnett, Sheena Barnett. (laughs) Kim Bearden is the um, executive director of the cemetery. And she does these wonderful historic presentations. She and her husband, Willie. And, you know, she was talking about like 
Floriana, which is the Victorian language of flowers. So like that wasn't just relegated to mourning and cemetery stuff, but it definitely carried over. So like, yeah, the Victorians were just obsessed with this means that, (laughs) and that means this. Yeah. But you didn't find all of your inspiration just at Elmwood. I know you've uh, posted on social about some other cemeteries that helped inspire the deck. So talk about some of these other cemeteries you enjoyed. Oh, boy. Um, Well, Greenwood in Jackson is Mm -hmm. deeply disturbing. Has it have any of y'all been there? (laughs) I actually haven't. No, I need to. Oh, boy. No. Um, Smaller and less glamorous than Elmwood. Um, As Jackson usually is. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) I know it's a shocker that Jackson, Mississippi is less glamorous. I know that's shocking to everyone. Um, But it is old Jackson. So it's like old rich white folks. And they tried to be as fancy as they could. But anyway, it's a small cemetery. Um, And it does have some really spectacular, even though it's on this little tiny plot of land in the middle of town with lots of traffic going all around it. Once you get into the middle, there's some really stunning um statuary there you know the big angels and the babies and cradles and everything you would want all the check boxes bingo card <laughs> yeah um but they also sadly were um uh they had grave robbers and i don't know if they were necessarily grave robbers or if it was just vandals mm-hmm. but within the last 10 years i forget now because i was there and i couldn't figure out why these graves were smashed as if with a sledgehammer oh no and it was one of those really terrifying things like do you go up close and peek in because you don't know what you're gonna see like i don't know if i want to see you know great grandma in there in pieces i don't know if i'm emotionally ready for what i'll see in this smashed grave um but i took a picture from like way distant like smashed grave um yeah but it's it's got a lot of drama to it. I mean, I found that on the internet that they had had a really bad vandalism incident that has never yeah. been solved. So that's one. Um, there's the one in Nashville whose name eludes me. I wish I had oh, prepared. There are so many in Nashville. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Who's buried there? Well, I was there for a different reason. I was there to shoot. So, you, you know, we're talking about the Southern Gothic cards and you mm-hmm. mentioned that you bought one of the expansion packs. So yeah. one of the expansion packs is called The Haunts and it's all mm-hmm. about like ghosts and cryptids of the south yeah and I found and they're all these are all live models that I'm painting so like yeah. I've been having to find people to be my ghosts <laughs> and cryptids I needed to find a mothman you know right. and my friend Jake <laughs> was like your search is over I am your mothman like please <laughs> uh, it's all I want in life I'll die happy if I can be your yes. mothman um so Jake and his girlfriend Ellie who is my friend too she goes by Bell Witch on Instagram oh cool and I had approached her and been like, listen, Ellie, I don't know if this is if, if this is too much. If I'm coming on too strong, like, let me know. But I kind of want you to be my bell witch. And she was like, ah! so, <laughs> so Ellie is the bell witch because duh. And yeah. her boyfriend, Jake, of course, was dying to be Mothman. So basically they live in Nashville. So I went to them mm-hmm. Mount Olivet. Oh yeah. It's Mount Olivet yeah. Cemetery. Sorry. Yeah. That's how your brain works when you're fixing. exactly <laughs> you can look forward to that. Um, so basically, um, I met them at Mount Olivet and also, um, a third friend that I met that day named Robin, who was my, um, <laughs> she was the bride of Annandale. Oh yeah. Wow. Was like <laughs> Gibson girl hair and, and like nice. a skirt and a, it's wonderful. And she wept on somebody's grave just so I could take pictures. Um, it was wonderful, but that that photo sesh was at night 
oh, and not all of that cemetery with like spotlights. Yeah. And it was such a fun experience. It was I like bet. being in college again for some assignment. And we were all like sneaking through the graves at night <laughs> with spotlights and fake blood and handkerchiefs for, for uh, Robin to cry into. And <laughs> it was too much. It's so much. I'm going to, I'm always yeah. going to remember that night. It was so fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you what, your process when you decide you're going to do a new deck or an expansion, what's your process for getting started with, with the, the whole thing? Great, great question. I start with the writing. So, um, well, actually even earlier than that, I, st- I it was the idea, <clears throat> right? So I was obsessed with cemetery symbolism. So I'm like, well, I'm going to make cards about cemetery symbolism. And then it's like, okay, legal pad list of cards, love, (laughs) like you start with these big, stupid ideas. Um, And I'm just like, it's just like stream of consciousness, you know, follow this at home, kids. Any of y'all could do an Oracle deck. I'm telling you it's easy as pie. So you basically are just like love, jealousy, courage, like all the feelings, write them all down. Um, And then Google a whole bunch of cemetery symbols You know, what does the acorn mean? What does the owl mean? What does the angel mean? What does a cherub mean? And then it was like a lot of lines. So it's like affection, ivy, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started doing it that way. And then the painting for me is the best part, but it is the easiest part because by then I've already solved the hard problems of what I want the thing to mean, right? Um, I think the hardest thing, with this deck is making it not just be about death and mourning because Mm -hmm. who wants that? Like ultimately (laughs) this product has to work for someone who's dealing with like getting fired at work or whether or not they should leave their boyfriend or name your crisis. You know I mean? So people pull out these Oracle cards a lot of times for fun, obviously, but also equally as much, because they're having like um, a crossroads in their life and they want to try and get some kind of stimulation as to an answer. And so if my whole deck is just like, she died, she died, she died, she died. (laughs) Nobody wants this deck. (laughs) I think you touched on such an interesting um, part of like, you know, modern magical practice and that you don't have to be officially sanctioned you know to really just kind of okay what's in your heart what's what's your spirit kind of telling you and go from there and and build from there um so what is kind of like your history with like magical and occult practice oh great question thank you um resident witch i have to ask the witchy questions (laughs) yes um hiding that's what it is um (laughs) called hiding there's a store here in memphis called the broom closet which we've yeah. all heard that phrase right mm-hmm. um so grew up southern baptist um uh, born again and again throughout my teen years uh really into it christian boyfriends fake girl scouts all that stuff <laughs> um guitar playing preachers <laughs> um, the cool youth pastor all of it the cool youth pastor all of it um but um I basically had a crisis of the soul when my father died when I was 21 mm-hmm. and nobody could explain to me where heaven was right they just couldn't and I wanted to know 
I mean, I was 21. I'm asking stupid questions like, well, is it in outer space? Right. And the preacher's looking at me like, don't ask, don't ask blasphemous questions. And, you know, it was a real question because now right. I actually knew somebody who was dead and I really love that person. And I wanted answers like, what is this afterlife you're telling me about? Mm-hmm. So basically, after all of that and basically in my grief, I just went hard atheist. Mm-hmm. It was like all of this is bullshit. So um, I have basically been on a journey in low this half a century of being a young evangelical to my whole young adult life, basically just being an artist and open-minded to everything. But slowly I missed, I basically missed spirituality and I got from my travels, you know, my husband's Asian. So I got exposed to things like Buddhism and so on. So just through my travels, I started to ask a lot of questions because I am Southern. I need to believe in ghosts. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm basically all the way back to where's my dad? Like, right. <laughs> honestly, that's kind of what it all comes down to. I think we're all very simple people at the end of the day. And I have developed a spiritual practice that involves um, being one with uh, um, nature, but also mm-hmm. with things that are bigger than myself. You awesome. know, and there was a podcast you were on. It was a witchy podcast. hmm I can't remember the name of it right now because it's eight o'clock at night and my brain's like turned off. <laughs> the but Adderall were, has worn off. <laughs> uh, it really has. Um, but the host was telling you like, these cards call me out, like your decks. And I'm like, yes, they, they call me out too. Like, so whatever juju you're putting into them. <laughs> yes. They work and they work hardcore. Like if I ever need to get told, like, this is what you're going through right now or <laughs> You need to go in this direction. Yeah, your cards definitely do that. So I don't know what energy you're putting into them, but they work. (laughs) Well, thank you, Sheena. Well, now you know my phone number. You could just call me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I love the whole idea of, and that's one thing I do too, is I think in cemetery, sometimes I feel like I'm trying to find answers to things that I, I don't know that the answer's there. But for some reason, I think it's at the cemetery. <laughs> That's why I'm always there. Yeah. Um. So talk a little bit about, too, about some of the cemetery symbols that maybe you really love or that really um, touched your heart while you were doing some of this research. Because it's so easy. I, I mean, I'm guilty of it to to this day of I'll see a stone and be like, wow, that's pretty. And I don't think twice about what it means. And then later it's like, oh, wait, they're telling me like they're the third to die young or something. You know, you know how they tell you stuff. I mean, so, yeah, talk about that. (laughs) You know, I think um, my favorite one today is the portal. Mm. And it is um, not one of the more romantic ones. If you had asked me a few weeks ago, I probably would have gone back to the seashell because I've always loved that. Particularly, there's a pretty, really pretty seashell grave at, at Elmwood. but um it's actually not that romantic the portal it's if all these years seeing one I just would have like dismissed it as a Greco-Roman architectural feature like we see arches everywhere yeah big big deal like it's it's almost invisible especially in the south yeah yeah I mean there's so much Greco-Roman architecture here everything is like Roman classicism you just like ignore it's colonial like I just don't even see it Um, but as I started doing research for this deck, it talked about the portal, duh, like once I say it out loud, it's going to (laughs) sound really obvious, 
Um, it's going to talk about how gates and archways represent the portal into um, from the physical realm to the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. And that didn't hit me that hard. It struck me as quite obvious when I first wrote it down and I painted the picture. And as I'm painting it um, just last week, um, I'm working on this painting going, this is the word liminal. Mm-hmm. Like the word liminal means door like. It's like the, yeah, the from the Latin spaces. of door. And liminal spaces are the in-between. And then I started thinking about how if you walk through one of those portals in a cemetery, that might be the world's first example of interactive architecture or interactive art. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like all those other symbols are meant to be looked at, but what you're supposed to do with those archways is walk through and have like an epiphany moment or whatever. But I just, that's what I'm digging today. Yeah, that's a good one. Have you experienced, yeah. like, I love liminal spaces because I feel like, you know, pop culture tells us it's the long hallway or it's the tunnel of light. But, like, for me, it's like, okay, as weird as this sounds, like, rest stop bathrooms. I'm like, this is a liminal space. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's, like, you just walk into one and you're like, something else is going on here. <laughs> there, There's something to this. And I'm like, I'm just going to do my business and get out because I don't <laughs> necessarily know if I want to mess with what's here. Um, <laughs> but, you know, have you had that experience in kind of just, like, everyday life of, like, being in a space and being like, oh, okay, okay, <laughs> you know, this something... <laughs> deeper is here yeah i'd say like clarksdale mississippi mm-hmm. the whole town <laughs> yeah a bad um and i you know at first i thought you know what that's because they have this whole tourism industry of robert johnson selling a soul to the mm-hmm. devil and there's all this blues music imagery everywhere and that's such a huge part of hoodoo culture mm-hmm. and i'm just i'm just succumbing to suggestion <laughs> yeah <laughs> but on the other hand yeah. Maybe it's the chicken or the egg. Maybe the right. reason that blues music is so suffused with all of this. And maybe the reason that Robert Johnson was said to sell its soul to the devil and all this kind of stuff is because Clarksdale might just be a portal to hell. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's possible. <laughs> it that. would be in Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could definitely it's a see really that. powerful place. <laughs> I was there painting a mural. I also paint murals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I paint, I was invited to paint a mural of Tennessee Williams. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to spend a whole week there in an old Southern mansion oh, wow. with this family. I was like hosted by this family. So I'm not only in a creepy 19th century mansion of my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, can't even concentrate on Tennessee Williams mural painting a Southern <laughs> Gothic hero. So I'm yeah. just like in my happiest possible place hot and sweaty out in the heat. But the thing is, all the people I met, black or white, um, just had all these amazing like ghost stories and stories of like Tennessee Williams plays. And I, I don't even know how to describe it. And there was a guy that owned a shop. Then we saw him again and he was gone. And we were like, is it like the twilight zone? It was, <laughs> it's like, maybe he never owned that shop. Maybe that shop never existed. It felt like things were shifting. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, it is a magical town, you guys. The Delta I, is is magical yeah. to me. I think there's I, something about the water and there's just a that. vibe. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just about to say that I had that same experience uh, when I was in college. I wrote a paper on Yazoo City and going to Yazoo and talking to the little old ladies that ran like the 
a local chamber of commerce and one of them like knew Willie Morris and just the way she spoke her accent and talking about his grave and the witch's grave just there's there's a vibe that you get from from towns and cities like that and I think the South is a major part of that just because of how much history is here, good and bad, Um, that those vibes are just naturally pulling you in those directions. Yeah. You know, and speaking of that too, um, there is, and you sort of touched on this a minute ago, there is a big difference in um, colonial symbolism down here in the South and then, or I mean, Victorian, I don't know what I said. Victorian symbolism down here in the South and then colonial symbolism, like you see up North. Um, it's funny because sometimes when I take out of town folks around Elmwood, they're like, I've never seen a cradle grave before. It mm. blows their minds. And so I have to explain the symbolism behind that. And then some of like the really old school um, colonial symbolism, you see like the death's head or the flying hourglass. You don't see that as much down here. You do, but not as often. Did you find a lot of just like just differences between sort of the southern grave, you know, graveyards and and northern ones? Or was that something you were even looking at? That's such a smart question because I only uncovered that um, on my research. So that's new knowledge for me. Um, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's something I'd love to talk about. So when you define the Victorian period, I'm going to get nerdy. Everyone buckle in. Turn <laughs> off the podcast now if you don't like this kind of stuff. <laughs> no, we um, love it. No, don't. Just kidding. Um, but the Victorian era, right, is the reign of Queen Victoria, mm-hmm. if you're British. Yeah. I mean, we call parts of America or any part of the English-speaking world Victorian back then, but still um, – here. That's a hill I die on because I'm like, it's the same with like the Edwardian period. I'm like, yeah. we didn't have a king or a queen. We had a whole war about this. Why are we calling it Victorian? <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. See, here's another thing Hannah and I agree on. Okay. so, <laughs> But I mean, seriously, it was reconstruction here. Yeah, mm-hmm. We had a major, major historic event happening. And it wasn't that Queen Victoria was on the throne. It was that we were recovering from a motherfucking civil war. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So, and then there's the yellow fever epidemics, which Mm -hmm. didn't just affect Memphis, but affected New Orleans and Mississippi and and Florida and everywhere in Alabama. So we have people dying from enslavement, torture, disease, war. I mean, it was just how we don't have a million movies set in this time period. I don't know. Cause it's like the height of drama and pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's happening and people are like, Oh, but queen Victoria wore a white wedding gown. I'm like, listen, <laughs> listen, <laughs> America was going through some shit. All right. Yes. <laughs> um, so yes, here in America, I'm sure, you know, I wasn't born yet. I was almost born, but I wasn't born yet. And, um, <laughs> and you know, the, I'm sure that the fashion and all that, yeah, of course, like fashion and, and, you know, photography technology. Sure. There were things mm-hmm. in pop culture, as we call it now that were affecting Americans, but we were being affected much more deeply by stuff like yellow fever. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you look at new England, you know, or the, you know, if you look at old cemeteries in Philadelphia, et cetera, I mean, those places were more connected to England. They were more urban, they were mm-hmm. more urbane. And, you know, so they were more, you know, they had international trade already and they were just, I mean, they had their, their influences and we had ours in the South. 
Do you think the African-American influence too, because, you know, per capita, they're just more black people in the South, definitely back then, mm-hmm. <laughs> even still now, do you think like that's some of the different is, you know, because we have that influence, whether people want to admit it or not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you were asking me about Southern Gothic, I would say that, and I've said many times, I consider Southern history more Black history than white history. I mean, I feel yeah, like I agree. everything Absolutely. here, our music, our poetry, yeah. our fashion, our way of talking, everything is so, our, our food especially, oh my God, mm-hmm. yes. everything Absolutely. is basically African in origin or like the evolution of African-Americans in origin. Mm-hmm. But in when we're talking about the cemeteries, just because of the way they were locked out, people right. of color were just not out of Elmwood which is my favorite thing to say, but, um, but, you know, and not out of many other cemeteries as well, to be fair. But um, because we're talking about like, like I just told you, I can't afford a monument. Right. And the more upper class. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're talking about like upper class monuments, yeah, we're talking about white folks. I mean, we just are. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. I think. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, that's, you know, has a yeah, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and we we keep coming across this time and time again, as we're, you know, picking topics and going to find people to see where they wound up. And a lot of these amazing people wound up either we don't know where they're buried or they have a minuscule headstone. And, and there's, you know, you, you would never know if you didn't do the research and do the yeah. digging. And there's no I mean, way Major Taylor celebrate. was initially in a pauper's grave right. until, you know, they got together and was like, no, he's super important to the sport of cycling. He needs yeah. somewhere better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering, too, to go back to the art part of this, because I would think it would be quite lovely to go out to Elmwood and paint one afternoon, even though I cannot paint. You're not painting, though, at the monument that inspired a particular card. Like, you're maybe taking a photo of it and then bringing it back home. How does the art process work? Um, I actually do paint on-site sometimes. Oh, do you? Cool. Yeah, I do. Um, because awesome. for <clears throat> for this deck, I'm using my iPad and painting digitally. Oh, cool. So it's really, and I and that's part of why I want to do that, is so that I can paint on-site. But sometimes I also use photos because I don't want this whole deck to just be about Elmwood. Um, right. And I have or, or just drive to Nashville and have it be about two cemeteries. It would be too limiting. So even though I was inspired by a lion at Elmwood, I purposely looked up other lion sculptures on the Internet to find some, you know, visual references. And then I just went to paint a lion that doesn't really exist. Um, <laughs> Because nice. I just want to talk about, like, in general, the lion thing. You know, right. I just want to talk about, in general, the arch thing. Now, the yeah. arch I did paint is from Greenwood, and because that was such a good one. But, yeah, you know, it's just like that. It's going to be kind of a mixed bag. Um, I'm working on a tarot deck now, and it's kind of the same thing. Like, I'm, I'm painting uh, friends. Like, my friend mm-hmm. Sam is the king of cups. But then <laughs> for the fool card, it's just a lady. Like I just, she's completely <laughs> from my imagination. Yeah. So at the back of the book, I'll probably just put credits for who's oh, reading. Nice. <laughs> Thank you to so-and-so, but the, yeah. all the ones that are omitted don't exist. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So curious, and I don't know if you've, if you look at your decks like this or not, but 
I mean, is there maybe anything you hope someone gets out of your decks, whether it's Southern Gothic or Roses, Dust, and Ashes? Like, is there, like, do you hope maybe someone comes away with maybe, say, a more appreciation of Southern life or a more appreciation of cemeteries? Or does it go much deeper than that? Or are you even thinking that and you're just, you're not even there, you're just creating and they get what they get? (laughs) It's definitely the latter, but let me, let me expand on that because I didn't, dare think that anyone would even buy this thing. And this is not false humility. You have to understand, I come from a graphic design background. I've never been in any kind of occult practice openly. I don't have, I didn't, when I did this, have a community in um, in any kind of esoteric practice. My community was entirely in art and graphic design. Children's books, like I couldn't have been further, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, when I launched that Kickstarter, I expected like four little old ladies from Alabama to support the deck. And then (laughs) um, maybe I'll get funded. Uh, And and that's almost not an exaggeration. It was COVID. I was like, what the hell? I'll do a Kickstarter. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, That's how this podcast started. (laughs) Seriously. It's like I'm locked in my house. What am I going to do with my brain all day? Yep. Uh, That's literally all it was. And so (laughs) then it happened and um, I made tens of thousands of dollars from that thing. And I, and nobody was more surprised than me. So fast forward, one of my biggest fears actually was kind of success. Like not, obviously it's really fun getting that much money, but what, what was my fear is I talk about hoodoo in there a lot Mm -hmm. because I have spent a lot of time reading about it, dabbling in it, knowing people Mm -hmm. who practice, knowing Mostly African-Americans who practice, obviously, but also Mm -hmm. I also know white practitioners of hoodoo. I know a lot of people. Um, And so it's like, um, oh, God, I'm going on the Internet in a time of all of this, like. The the politics of canceling and I'm this middle aged white lady and I'm talking about hoodoo and somebody is going to crucify me and it is going to be bad Um, and I need to have thick skin and be ready. And, um, knock on wood, knock on my desk. It has not Mm -hmm. happened. And not only has it not happened, I've had exactly the opposite happen where Mm -hmm. Tiana McQuiller, who made the hoodoo tarot Mm -hmm. bought my deck. Oh, cool. Awesome. And I was starstruck. Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I wrote to her immediately because, you know, a person's email is in their order. And I was just like, oh my God, (laughs) I love you. (laughs) that you bought it. Um, and then, um, just in January, I was at Starcon. Mm-hmm. star is, um, an acronym for like Southern tarot, something, 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 please look it up. I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's a conference for, ta- for serious tarot readers. And I was a vendor and I'm sitting at my little table trying to hawk my wares and young, beautiful African-American walks up to me, probably mid thirties. And I'm like, hi, can I help you? Can I tell you about the Southern Gothic Oracle? And she goes, oh, I already have it. She said, I'm, um, she said, I love it. I just want to come meet you. And she said, I am a professor at UNC Chapel Hill and I use your deck in my history of slavery class. Oh, wow. Oh, that is amazing. High praise. So I wept. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not even, I'm not even exaggerating. That swept me off my feet and I started yeah. to cry. She's like, girl, are you crying? And I was like, <laughs> yes. maybe. Um, because my expectations were that I, was in territory that I shouldn't have been in, but I'm not, I know that I'm not. I thought Mm -hmm. people would misunderstand that I was in territory, but I wasn't coming out and saying, hoodoo is this, right? Right. I am an expert on hoodoo. I came out with 
I'm a reporter telling you, this is how we do this. This is how, and who do they do that? This is how Ozark witches do this. And this is how Mm -hmm. Appalachian witches do that. So it's more of a, um, of an authentic way of just like, I'm just telling you what people do. Well, and your ancestors are going to guide you to the practices that you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. hundred percent. And before we get to your ancestors, because I want to talk about some of those, we talked about them earlier. You're welcome, Sheena. Thank you. Beautiful segue, Hannah. Um, You know, Memphis has such a wonderful hoodoo vibe to it and and history. Um, There is so much hoodoo that that has been in Memphis since before the Civil War. It's still there. Mm -hmm. Did you find a lot of inspiration in Memphis itself with all of these decks, especially with sort of the more witchy sides and the cemetery sides was was I mean, I, I would think living here, obviously. Yeah. But at the same time. Memphis is not like a lot of other Southern cities. <laughs> no, we're Mojo yeah. City. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I would actually say that 100% of my um, hoodoo reporting in the deck almost come, well, it 100% comes from Memphis. I would say 98.5% comes from Ebo, uh, the hoodoo <laughs> shop. Yeah. Um, because I, um, I know the people there really well and I actually read tarot there. Yeah. So um, I'm part of that community and I have this community of experts that I can ask when I'm mm-hmm. in the store, like, Hey, tell me about Hi John the conqueror. Like, what is yeah. that all about? Mm-hmm. Why do people buy it? Um, and I also, I also, I'm lucky enough to know Tony Kale. I've been acquainted yeah. with him for a couple of years and he's an anthropologist who writes about hoodoo. Yeah. Um, so even though he's not a practitioner, I mean, he's a freaking anthropologist. So yeah. I've got amazing. his book. Yeah. He's so great. <laughs> Put so in yeah, a good word and see if he'll side. come on the pod. <laughs> we should. Yeah, we totally should. Tony. He is so fun, by the way. He's yeah. a funny guy. Yeah. I figure so. I've always wanted to meet him and I've somehow our paths have never crossed, but big fan of his book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he lives, um, he lives, you know, in Jackson, Tennessee, not okay. Mississippi. So he's not, he's not in town. Oh yeah. Not well, far it, at all. It seemed like I remember him doing a talk when the book first came out somewhere in town and I meant to go and I couldn't, but yeah. We're going to have to hook up with him and figure yeah, it out. Let's do it. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about your ancestors. You found a really cool person at a cemetery today. Um, and you talked about it on your um, Instagram. But let's talk about who you met out at Memorial Park today. <laughs> oh, my God. I had a cemetery row moment today on my cemetery <laughs> row date. And I, I, when I woke up this morning, I didn't know this was going to happen. So this is pretty cool. Um. I'm serious. It reminded me so much of this podcast too. So I think I somehow manifested it. But anyway, (laughs) what happened was I um, live in East Memphis, which is near another famous cemetery in Memphis called Memorial Park. It's a little bit more boring than Elmwood just because it's more modern, but it has a lot of notable folks in it. And because I guess I was thinking about you guys, I Googled um, or, or just went on Wikipedia to look for notable burials at Memorial Park. It's like right there. It's like so close to my house. I could like run (laughs) over there. What am I doing right now? (laughs) And so I look at this Wikipedia page and I find, um, I find a list of people and then it come and I don't recognize really any of the names except maybe Isaac Hayes, which was like an obvious one, but there was a woman named Laura Bullion, but then in parentheses, it said wild West outlaw. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm sorry. What? (laughs) 
because we're not in the West. We are currently yeah. east of the Mississippi. And here's the thing. Um, you guys listening don't know that maybe that we're on Zoom and we can all see each other, but I'm holding this up to the camera. So I'm holding up the book called Nighthawk Rising, which is a story of Queen Anne Bassett. This is what I'm reading right now because she's my ancestor. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm obsessed with her. I love her so much. Um, and so all I think about lately when I'm trying to get my mind off my work is just fantasizing about being Queen Anne a hundred years ago, rustling <laughs> cattle um, in the wild, wild west and going across the border to Wyoming because the women yeah. can vote there. Like, yeah, <laughs> that is so crazy. So great. Um, and I'll like make sounds when I'm reading it like, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I love it. It is so great. So anyway, Anne and Josie, if I had just recite the most easy fact about them, were the only two women, I thought, in uh, Butch Cassidy's Wild Bunch. So you have to understand, this is what I've been reading at bedtime for the last three weeks, right, on and off. And I'm on this website today, and it says that in the cemetery across the street is a Wild West lady outlaw. And I'm like, (laughs) no freaking way, right? (laughs) So I click on her name and it says she's a member of the wild bunch. And I'm like, are you my cousin and friend? (laughs) (laughs) What? Clicking, 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 digging, digging, digging. And I find out that yes, she's friends with Anne and Josie. So these, these um, ancestors of mine that I have been painstakingly, like not just reading about, but I, I have two kids. So I feel like it's on me that I have to teach them everything about our cool ancestry, right? And especially my daughter. So I have been like actually using my design skills to build a family tree with Queen Anne leading right to my daughter, Sophie, and being like, there's a straight line between these two crazy girls. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I find out that I just found one of Anne's friends and she's dead across the street from my house, basically. (laughs) Wow, that is so cool. That is cool. (laughs) Yeah, so... Yeah. And didn't you say they were, was it your ancestor and, um, the thorny rose of Memphis or whatever they called her? Weren't they both kind of knocking boots with Butch Cassidy? All three, (laughs) all three got a piece of the Butch Cassidy. Love that for them. I love it for them too. Here, Here are their ages. Okay. So Josie is born in 74. This is 1874, but it's easier yeah, for me right. to think of as someone born yeah. in the 70s as just 74. <laughs> yeah. Anne is born, sorry, Josie's born in 74. Laura, who's not their sister, she's just some chick who now is buried across the street from my house. But right. Laura is born in 76. Mm-hmm. Anne is born in 78. So just oh, imagine wow. three girls anywhere that went to school together that are yes. two years apart each. Mm-hmm. Perfect. They a movie about them. I oh, want a movie about them so bad. And also, they also had an, another boyfriend that they both slept with, which is Will <laughs> Carter. Oh, okay. All yeah, three got it. a piece of Will. All three got a piece <laughs> of Butch. Um, and two of them slept with Ben Kilpatrick. Nice. <laughs> love, love that. It. So were your ancestors buried up north then? They're still in Colorado, Colorado Territory, yeah. Okay, okay. cool. Awesome. They were born in Arkansas. And they okay. fled as teenage girls. Um, I can't blame them. I also <laughs> fled as a teenage girl. <laughs> I did too. Family. Actually, <laughs> I tell a lie. They didn't flee as te- teenage girls. Their mother fled as a teenage girl. Okay. And Anne was the first, uh, sorry, jo- 
Aunt Josie was a toddler and Anne was the first white child born on Colorado territory or something like oh, that. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. they they go they go way way back. Yeah, they do. That's awesome. Any other favorite dead people while we're on the subject <laughs> of favorite dead people because I know Man. I have a whole list of them, but I have a whole list. All my favorite people are dead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean <laughs> my dad like yeah <laughs> my dad's awesome um <laughs> so yeah i think uh josie lauren and obviously my dad obviously mm-hmm. yeah other famous dead people i used to be a tour guide at graceland so i always felt like hey, i knew me too oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well i yeah. wasn't a tour guide i worked in marketing but yeah so that's awesome no, i yep. was i was like teenage 80s tour guide it was all very tacky <laughs> um but uh I don't know. I just feel an affinity. I feel like as a future dead person that I don't feel like they're so far away from us. Yeah. You know, they're, that's just where we're going. And so it makes me want to have a legacy even more because I realized, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when you find thin information on someone you're really excited about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even your character, Sheena, we, you know, as the, as the Lee in the Lee family, we're hearing yeah. all about the Stagger Lee song. And then with you standing there in that outfit, I'm like, well, now I want to know all about this girl from the I Lee know. family. But and we'll never know. I, well, I did a little bit of research. Um, I found a photo of her. Oh, um, good. She actually had her eyes closed, which I'm like, hey, if, if that means you are into naps, I'm also into <laughs> naps. Like, you know, um, she died in childbirth at, I think, mm. maybe 27. Wow. Um and her husband went on to be like the governor of New Jersey or somewhere like super random like that. I was okay. like, oh, okay, he moved up your up north and decided to become a Yankee. Good for him, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm one of those people. If I see, I, I actually did this the other day because I was trying to find a specific person at Elmwood for my upcoming tour. And that I was adding it, it into the tour at the last minute. And I found all these other stones right around him that were just as fascinating. And I got so mad because I could not find some of them in my mm. usual like research. So like I sat down in this one kid's grave. He was 16 when he died and he died in like 1876. And I'm like, I will find you. I will. <laughs> like, so I just sat there with him like, okay, I'm going to look up this version of your name and that version. And I finally found a little, but I found out so much stuff on so many people out there. And I'm like, I just love this. I don't know why, but I mean, it's yeah. fascinating to look at these people who, you know, we're around my age or something, mm-hmm. or I don't know, whatever. And you look at like how they died and, oh, they were married. They weren't married. A lot of them like died in yellow fever. And I'm like, didn't realize yellow fever was that bad in 1876. Thought it was mostly 73 and 78, but oh, it must've been pretty gnarly in 76 too, because everybody around here died from it. Like, I just, I love that kind of stuff. I just love sitting around and finding the stories on these people. And yeah, it kills me when you can't find anything. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know what one story is that I kind of alluded to earlier? So remember I said I was doing that photo shoot of the bride of Annandale? Yeah. Have y'all ever covered covered her story? We have. Lori did it. it. Oh, okay. So forgive me. I haven't heard that episode. I'm going to definitely go back and listen to it. Here's my beef. I think it's our our scary stories. It's one of them. Yeah. Yeah, So she's the one who's mourning Henry Vick, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Here's my beef with that story. (laughs) I've painted this woman weeping over Henry Vick and not yes. being able to rest because her true love was shot before the wedding day. Okay, I get all that. Mm-hmm. 
Have y'all read her actual story? She ended up marrying some other dude, having a million children. Yes. A million experiences and dying as an ancient old woman. And I'm like, listen. Yeah. (laughs) I had some cute boyfriends, too, in high school. Okay. But now I'm a middle-aged woman with grown kids. I have been through so many chapters of my life. Yeah. And if I die and someone says that my ghost is like crying on Brad Scott's grave because we were together (laughs) in 10th grade. (laughs) <laughs> I know. <laughs> I am going to be so pissed off. Like that is yeah. that is not a plausible reason for her to come back and haunt the earth. Not if she's been through children and grandchildren and everything else. I still Unless believe I don't was packing. I don't know. <laughs> it's the only well, thing that's I how I feel. No, that's how I feel about like haunted plantations. They're like, oh, it's the ghosts of slaves. I'm like, I hope that they're not still at this goddamn plantation in their afterlife. Right. I'm like, what kind of cruel bullshit would that be? Let them exactly. go wherever the hell it is they wanted to go. Yeah. Right. Or certainly not here. Reason, yeah. Or if they say the reason that the slit enslaved person is is haunting is for something really petty. And it's like, yeah. Oh, he's mad about that, is he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Just that. To be fair, I would haunt for petty reasons. <laughs> not going to lie. <laughs> well, yeah. True. And then she didn't she. Lou who you'll know didn't she end up with her second husband or well I guess her only husband building their house on top of a Native American mound yes yes <laughs> yeah and they yeah. say were there houses... goats involved I don't remember no that's goat castle oh, the... that's a okay oh, yeah <laughs> it was in the <laughs> same episode though <laughs> yeah Lori did goat castle too which that's that's, that's another book to read if you want to read about some crazy Mississippi craziness always the the murder of goat castle i'm always it's wild yeah um no but yeah they uh i i think there weren't they couldn't find it like there weren't bodies in the mound but there were artifacts Mm -hmm. and they were just like yeah but we want our house on this hill so (laughs) yeah and it's weird because it's like it's in the delta so it's like all this flat completely flat clearly clearly a native american mound that they just built their house on top of. And I'm like, yeah. okay, don't yeah. don't have any respect for anyone. Cool. Just build okay. your own damn hill. It's not that hard. I swear. Right. I feel like well, I've heard I, this story. Yeah. And they they took like height off of it too. Like so they dug it out too. Jesus. Or, or something, something that they when white right. nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> white stuff. So are you gonna have an expansion for um for the cemetery symbolism deck the way you did for southern gothic and botanic i don't think so yeah i think it's too niche for that i think it's like a very self-contained little gem Mm -hmm. of a thing right where it's like we've got a whole set of of feelings that you can get based on cemetery symbolism but also this book is its own thing that you can carry in your back pocket or your jacket pocket when you go to a victorian cemetery and i feel like that all is very like tied up with a little black velvet bow like it's just done Mm -hmm. it's its own product whereas the southern gothic (laughs) deck is a universe right that i feel like i can keep building on i have lists and lists of um expansion packs that i want to do for southern gothic i mean a food expansion yeah a front porch expansion oh nice you know and then to make the food expansion about you know generosity to make the the front porch expansion about community to make i mean there's I have one where it's like icons and then it's just people yeah. that are like Southern icons. And I, I could just do that Get for the rest it. of my life, honestly. 
I will buy every one of them. I'll tell you that right now. Um, Cause I do love the haunts expansion. And then the poisons is such a lovely dark, but lovely. Oh yeah. It's dark to botanic. Yeah. yeah it's, Oh, those cards are just stunning. I love oh, those. That, that had to have been fun to do too. I mean, just going and looking at beautiful plants all day and then painting them. Like, Well, they know. started out as an expansion for Gothic, but then I was oh, like, what am I going to do? Nine plants? There's nine million plants. Yes. So I made, it, I made it a whole deck. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. I yeah, can't thanks. wait to see. I can't wait to see this one. And what I love with this one too is, and, and feel free to add more to it because I know there is more to it, but um. The cemetery symbolism oracle deck is going to come in a coffin-shaped box. <laughs> yes! Like, after my own heart. <laughs> like, I want everything coffin-shaped. You so want to see the wooden coffin? Hang on. Yes. Yes. Of course. Okay. <laughs> Check this out. So this is like special artist edition. Yeah. That is beautiful. Oh, that's gorgeous. Oh, how cute. So it's a, I'll describe it to those of you who are listening with no visuals. This is a (laughs) solid birch coffin that is nine inches long. And it looks basically like a crazy widow put her parakeet in it. That's what (laughs) it would look like on your shelf. It's like some gray garden shit. It's like eccentric, (laughs) but it's been stained and it has, look, I've even got coffin nails in it. Oh Oh, man. Even nails. You've thought of everything. My little nod to hoodoo. Um, and then it. you open this thing up and my friend Edna, who I really want you to meet, she works at Woodruff Fontaine. You guys oh, are- love <gasps> Woodruff Fontaine. How so cute. she had the idea that I should line it in black satin. Yes. Ooh. So yes. look at this. Like, it's like poofy. Nice. Like if you were laying someone to rest, you know, it's like on a, on yeah. a pillow inside. Hello. So there's like pillowy uh, black yeah. satin. And then the cards are like nestled in this, in this thing, like laid to rest. I love it. Love it. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. So there they are. They look like an old book. They kind of have an old book cover look. But yeah, so it's all about the coffin. This is not how the deck will usually be packaged, but this was just like an artist edition. But yeah, you're right. The cardboard Mm -hmm. box is even coffin shaped. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, I love that we do interviews where the phrase, do you want to see the coffin is totally (laughs) normal. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. We're living the dream, ladies. Living the dream. Oh my God. I'm going to be at the Oddities Curiosity. One of the, have you ever heard of the Oddities and Curiosities yes. Expo? Yes. So brainstorming with my husband. I was like, I need to have something really cool to get people to come over to our booth. And he goes, Do you think we could get a used coffin? And I was like, Babe, used. There's only two kinds of coffins unused and no longer available. <laughs> Well, in our drag queen episode this week, my drag queen did have a copper coffin that he purchased at a uh, antique store. Not oh my sure God. if it was used or not, but he slept in it for over a year. Yes. Nice. That's <laughs> very and right. You can find the occasional Victorian era coffin in antique stores. I've seen, I've mostly seen children's coffins, which are deeply depressing so i don't yeah. like to buy those or i don't know that i'd those. want that in my house no no, no. but yeah, i don't yeah. even like the energy on old candelabras and shit i don't yeah. i really couldn't bring that home yeah yeah, yeah. No if way. you um you have to do the chicago oddities expo because that is where i am <laughs> and i will yes. absolutely come stop by <laughs> i've been to the chicago one but that's not the one i'm doing i'm doing richmond because i want to do the richmond vampire shtick. oh yeah Ooh, that'd be fun he's one of my haunts he is. Yep. I love him. 
I keep meaning to cover his story on the podcast. I still haven't. So that's a good one because he's not in his cemetery plot anymore. Yeah. They had to move him because tourists were so aggressive. (laughs) Like our poor Gigi Allen. Yes, exactly. Um, And yeah, talk about too, for a minute, the different, um, because the Kickstarter is going on now and you have these different levels for rewards. And then there's some goals you want to hit to do other fancy things with the cards. So talk about all that good stuff too, because that's really rad. Okay. I mean, a Kickstarter, a lot of people think of like Kickstarter is like a GoFundMe, but it's not really. I mean, GoFundMe is more like you've got someone in the hospital and they really need Mm -hmm, your help. Whereas Kickstarter and Indiegogo also are for art projects. So if you're not, if you're listening to this and you've never been to one of those sites, it's really fun to just go and see all these great ideas for like comic series and board games and all kinds of cool stuff. So I'm a big Kickstarter fan. Um, So I've launched on there before. And basically what you do is you put the idea out there unfinished as, as an independent person like me and say, hey, I have this idea for a tarot deck or a board game or blah, blah, blah. And um, people can pledge for it. And then in return, they get a reward. And the reward is the product. So it's not exactly like e-commerce. It's not like I'm selling the deck on Kickstarter. Right. What I'm doing is saying, hey, you know, Sheena, Lori, Hannah, go, go mm-hmm. pledge for a deck. And if you do, yeah. if I reach my goal, it's kind of gambling. I say, okay, right. I want $10,000. If I don't get $10,000 then nobody's money gets taken from them and yeah. I don't get to make my debt. It's all just like, no harm, no right. foul. Hey, we tried. Like, right. let's just all go home. It fails. Yeah. And so what's cool about that is that you can say you'd spend 50 bucks on it, but if I don't get enough people, you, you never, it, your card never gets charged. Right. Right. So it's a cool, it's a cool program. So anyway, um, the whole deal, the whole magic of Kickstarter is you want to get funded right away by get funded it doesn't end. It just means you reach that number that means, Hey, I promised y'all that if I made it to 10,000, I would definitely go and manufacture this product. And so I did reach the 10,000 and I reached it in less than an hour. Yes, it was crazy. Awesome. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yes. So, I mean, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. So yeah, it's fully funded like right away. And so it's definitely going to happen. But to your point, Sheena, sometimes what other people do that I'm kind of emulating, which I think is a wonderful idea is there other things you really want to add? But as an individual, I know 10,000 wouldn't be enough for me to, to make like a, a, a more elaborate product. I'm already spending right. so much on this coffin box. And so I know people like those gilded edges yeah. on their tarot mm-hmm. decks. So I mm-hmm. made that a stretch goal. So it's like if we reach 50,000, which we have not yet, but if we reach 50,000, then you can have a deck that has gilded edges or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, that's cool. It makes I it more that- fun the democratization of like you know patronage for artists like my patreon bill is insane so and i've <laughs> i've backed kickstarters too where it's just you know that democratization of culture and the things that we see in the world without having to have like corporate gatekeeping i just love yeah i love well, it too it's awesome because like one of my favorite podcasters was able to make this his full-time job because of yeah. their Patreon. And it's like, it's for me, it's $5 a month, which I'm able to do. And I get all of this bonus content and they're able to start their own network and not have to work yeah. corporate jobs and do what they love. And it's, it's awesome that these, these things are out there that yeah. make yeah. it possible. Yeah. This was life-changing for me. No, no 
for sure. No exaggeration. I never thought that that deck was going to make me $50,000. I <laughs> wept and wept and wept and wept. I had to take CBD to go to bed at night. I was so excited. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yep. And these cards so. are just so lovely. Oh, I can't wait to, ah, oh, I'm so ready. Give it here. Yeah. Do you do like, um, you know, prints or any, if so, if people aren't, you know, ah, tarot's not really my thing. Oracle's not really my thing. Maybe, you know, they're more traditional art uh, elements. Oh, you've brought out the ugly side of Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> Here it goes. People don't buy art. Yeah. yeah. They don't. They don't buy art. They don't buy my art. They don't buy anyone's art. You can't but sell art. People are going to, don't at me, as we say <laughs> on Cemetery Row. Exactly. Don't at me and be like, I buy art. Yeah, okay. How many times have I heard that as somebody who's been a professional artist since the time I was like a teen and now I'm the mother of grown people? Like, yeah. I buy art. I would love to buy one of your prints. What's your email? They never mm -hmm. email. Never. Yeah. Then they email and ask about that one print and you say it's $300. They never write mm -hmm. back. And you yeah, can right. say, oh, you're overpricing your art. I could say it's $12. They never write back. People right. don't buy art. They yeah. don't buy art. They never buy art. Nobody buys art. It is a life of pain. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I have friends who are artists and, um, you know, they constantly there's that battle of when you see another artist like underpricing and it's like, no, because we're all going to starve if you keep doing that. Yep. Yeah. And so, you I mean, know, you want to support yeah. them, you know, because they're not selling Avon or trying to make you buy ugly leggings. They're actually doing their passion and, you yeah. know, but yeah, I've definitely been, you know, seen in my friend's post where they're like, this is $450. I'm like, do you see how freaking talented she is? Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. And, and I think that's been the most beautiful thing for me is that, if I did a painting of, a, of that mockingbird, which I love so much, and I said, hey, look at this painting of a mockingbird. It's about my Southern culture. It means this. It's that whatever. It's, it's gouache on paper, and it's on rag paper, and it's framed, and blah, blah, blah. And all those things I've said a million times over my mm -hmm. career, maybe I'd sell it. Most likely mm -hmm. I wouldn't, but maybe I'd sell it. Yeah. Now I have sold that mockingbird painting 3000 times. Yeah. Right. I've sold 3000 decks at, as of right about now. And it's like, right. that means 3000 people. And the other thing is people are actually looking at it. Yeah. If these same yeah. 3000 people, which they wouldn't, but if they came to one of my gallery shows, which they wouldn't, cause nobody does, mm -hmm. but if they did <laughs> and did something other than just eat the cheese and drink the wine and, and leave to go pay for a movie, which I've also experienced. <laughs> they, they wouldn't look at the painting. They glance right. at it. They glance yeah. at it until you did a great job and you get an ego boost, but nobody buys anything. Right. And so with this deck, people are writing me heartfelt emails and mm -hmm. saying, today I drew the mockingbird card and it was everything because it yeah. meant that the direction I'm going with my job is right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it's, it's just been the most wonderful breakthrough for me as an artist, the most yeah. wonderful breakthrough for that reason alone, not yeah. even about the money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, that's one thing I think was, and I double checked. I remember when I first bought uh, the Gothic deck was, I was the 
words of the book were just so beautifully written. I was like, did she write this too? Does she write as well as she paints? Like I was just like, because <laughs> you know, you he, sometimes you'll see, you know, art by so and so and words by so and so. And so I just, yeah, yeah. I mean, that to me, I think when you have someone who is infusing so much meaning into the art itself and then so much into the uh into the guidebook and the words that you use yeah that's why I think these have been so successful is because they just you can tell how thoughtful you've been how mindful you've been with all the different aspects of all of it it's just you know like I said I did my excited hands the first time I met you and then later I was just like I'm I'm going to go die and bury myself in Elmwood because I just embarrassed myself. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, I um, have to die first and then you have to give the tour. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. But I mean, I don't want you to, but that's the whole plan. That's what some of a lot of people at Elmwood have said is that we want to be buried where we would be on an obvious tour route. Yeah, and everyone like, wants yes. to be on Sheena's tour. Where can I, I get her They're dying to get in. Um, um and just then, murder yeah. somebody and eat tamales and yeah i know i have two tamale related murders on my true crime tour so you know memphis loves its tamales here we go, go. um well stacy anything else that you want to add that we have not asked you anything that um which of course i'm going to let you plug all of your social accounts and all that, but is there anything else you wanted to discuss that we didn't ask or anything you want to mention? No, this was great. I mean, I, I'm so honored to be here and I just love um, Cemetery Row so much. I love how you guys have handled so many like really sensitive topics like Georgia Tan or even just like any murder victim. I mean, definitely no. you know how to laugh about stuff, but you handle things with such sensitivity and grace and I just, um, and you make it funny and intellectual at the same time. And Aww. I just love what you're doing. Aww. Thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. We're just three nerds who talk too much. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. We're looking for, for something to do during quarantine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we all love cemeteries and nerding out. So absolutely. So, yeah. So where can people find you online? What are all the links? Which, of course, we're going to um, include Post all the well. links in all of our social posts. But, yeah, where can everyone find you? What's the easiest way to, to follow you and follow your work? Um, well, so Southern Gothic Oracle is probably the easiest one because um, I'm called that on all the socials. Mm -hmm. um, my last name's a little bit weird because um, I have a hyphenated last name because it was mm -hmm. the 90s and it was a bad choice, but I'm, <laughs> that's where we are. Um, and so I'm Stacy, but my last name is Williams hyphen Ung, which is spelled NG because yeah. my husband is from Singapore and cool. there are no vowels in that word. And that's okay. <laughs> it is really a name. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Singapore How many times? said fuck your vowels yeah <laughs> you don't need vowels so Stacy Williams on cool awesome and when about when do you think this deck is going to when what what's the um I guess time frame that people can start expecting I, I've seen July on the website. Well, yeah. So uh, roses, dust, and ashes on Kickstarter. Please support the deck because the true fans want gold edges and we can't do it without <laughs> your help. Uh, so roses, dust, and ashes on Kickstarter comes in a coffin box. It's super goth. You're going to love it. Um, that ends on April 6th. 
So if you're hearing this podcast after April 6th, I feel sorry for you. Um, <laughs> but the product takes about a month and a half to produce. So it'd probably, it'll probably realistically be June, but I said okay. July just to keep people's expectations at bay because it takes a long time to mail them from my kitchen table. Yeah, <laughs> no, it really does. I, bet. I can only imagine. Yeah. yeah. The fulfillment is literally me with tape <laughs> from Office Depot and my husband and my dog and my elderly mom. Oh. And we're like, what was that one lady's name in Indianapolis? Hand me that sticker. <laughs> That's what it looks like. Yeah. Nice. Well, if you need some help, you know how to get in touch with me. I'll be more That'd than be happy fun. to help you out. Yeah. 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 You won't have to ship mine. I can just grab it. <laughs> um local delivery yes all right Um, thank you so much stacy i know we appreciate your time absolutely and we'll make sure we link the kickstarter in our show notes and on socials as well Um, so yeah definitely go make a donation because because as she said we want those gold edges (laughs) (laughs) yes very important all right yeah i guess i'll see y'all at the cemetery heck yeah yes right all right Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.